And uh, then I've got to listen to my wife. Yes, Carlos. <laughs> but she's bringing the word of God. So with pleasure I'll listen to my wife then. And what I feel with the Lord has put on my heart today to share about is my home. But it is, it's coming. It's with a capital. We all have got a house. We all have got a place where we are staying. We all have got a place where we call home. But there's a difference between house and home. A house, and I had looked at a few different languages, and strangely enough, there are two languages which are found in Portuguese and Italian. The house and the home is exactly the same. So you will never hear the difference when they're talking about house or home. And that's casa, so you must probably have seen it somewhere, and, but it's used. But the Dutch, we've got different uh, names. Huis, thuis. Afrikaans, more or less the same. English, house and home. The Germans have got hauser and zuhauser. So it's also very close to each other. And even looked up the Swahili, but I've got him. I said, Jesus, can I come along with you? But Jesus refused to permit him. That's the verse, which you can show now. Where Jesus then refused him to permit him, but said to him, Go home to your own, that your family, your relatives, your friends, and bring back word to them of how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had sympathy for you and mercy on you. And he departed and began to publicly proclaim in the Decapolis, which is a region of ten cities, how much Jesus has done for him. And all the people were astonished and marveled. So Jesus said to him, go home. Go where the people will invite you. Because he was on his own. He was excluded from them. But they received him back and he could share the gospel over there. Now, I know where is my house. I know is where is my home. But where is God's house? Where is God's home? Where are we going to look for that? And has God, God, has he got a home? Has he got a house? I just would like to ponder a little bit about those questions. If you would ask those questions, is God, where is God? A lot of us will immediately answer and say, God is in heaven. And I took a few scriptures to confirm that. The first one is where Solomon, with the inauguration of the temple, which was going to be the home for God, he's even mentioning that the home, the temple wasn't a permanent place for God, but he's mentioning it then, here in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their course. So Solomon already knew that heaven is the dwelling place, although they were busy with the inauguration of the temple, that God's presence was going to be there. In Matthew 6, Jesus telling his disciples, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven. So we would say, okay, God is in heaven. Stephen the martyr, when they were busy with uh, killing him, he said, Look, I see the heavens opened, and a son of man standing at the right hand of God. Again, God in heaven. So it looks totally correct to say, okay, God is in heaven. But it's not the total truth. God is not limited to heaven. God is everywhere. He's staying in heaven, but he's not limited to heaven. He's everywhere. God is also with the Israelites. Far, far, far back, he started speaking to Abraham. He now and then sent a message to him. And then he spoke to him. But a little bit later, 
when Moses was getting all the Israelites and they were going through the desert, God expressed his desire to be with his people. And he instructed Moses, build the tabernacle. You've got it here in your reception area as well. And I had a look at it and it was beautiful for me to see. God wanted to be with his people. He wanted to be among them. He didn't want to be excluded. He didn't want to be a far distance, but he wanted to be home with them. And he said to Moses, build a tabernacle. This is your building plan. Here are dimensions. This is the material. This is the gold, the silver, everything. Later on, they built a temple. They called could be. David wanted to build a temple, but it was given to to um, Solomon to build a temple over there. And the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. They rebuilt the temple again. But the people from the Israelites also battled a little bit to rebuild the temple. We can read it in Akai. They were busy with rebuilding the wall again around Jerusalem to protect themselves. They were very busy with rebuilding their own houses. But the house of God wasn't really high on their agenda list. But at the final end, it has been rebuilt. And then it was destroyed again. The Roman soldiers, they took it apart. And the scripture, the prophecy, what Jesus has given, that no stone would be left on top of each other, actually became a reality over there. And it was approximately 70 after uh, 70 AD. And again, Stephen the martyr, he confirms the whole process of tabernacle and temple. And he says in Acts, Our fathers had a tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he appointed and instructed Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought it with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of the fathers in the days of David, who found favor before God and asked him to find a dwelling for God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. And if you take a look at the word house over there, the, the word uh, house means uh, it's coming from the original uh, word oikos. And oikos means it's a dwelling. But there's more in it as well. It also means family. It also means that there's a family staying in that house. So Solomon had to build the house over there. He has got to build the home for God over there. And then he carries on. However, the Most High does not dwell in the temple made by hands, as the prophet says. God is not limited to temples and to tabernacles. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? And what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? God is not limited. He wants to be, but he's not limited to what we are building, the tabernacle or the temple. God is everywhere. God is with us as well. He's in us through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19. Or do you know that your body is the temple, the house of the Holy Spirit, the home of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have from God and which is not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And that word again, the temple, it is a place, it's a home where God is staying. It is not just a quick place which has been built, but it's something special. Our body. 
is the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And in a dwelling, it also means that it is staying along with us. I'm staying in this body and God wants to stay along with us. And for me, when I was busy with preparing the sermon as well to realize it again, the creator of heaven and earth, who's made everything, who is so involved in everything in our lives, the Holy Spirit, which is part of the Trinity, wants to stay inside us, along with us, in our body. Last week we had Pentecost and in the Netherlands. We also have got a second Pentecost day, which is on a Monday. So we had last week, Monday, we had a public holiday. In Dutch we call it Pinkster, but it's a very difficult thing to explain to people. So they make it a little bit different now. They call it pinkster. So they bring a color in it to it. And they're not actually knowing where they are talking about. But it is difficult to explain it to people. We are evangelizing on a Thursday evening. And then on a Thursday evening we would like to have a certain thing where you can start a conversation with. Now if you take the, um, the uh, birth of Jesus with Christmas... It's a little bit, okay, it's not exact date, but it's a thing where you can start with. You can ask them a question, do you know what, what is actually being celebrated on the 25th of, Sep- of December? And from there you can start a conversation and hopefully sp- uh, share the gospel with them as well. If we come to a Good Friday, which is not really a public holiday in the Netherlands anymore, but the Monday, the Easter Monday is still a public holiday, you can talk a little bit about Jesus. You can say, okay, he died and resurrected. Then they will have a look at you and say, where are you not talking about? Because they are not quite sure if there are any people who came back out of death or not. If we're coming to Pentecost and you want to explain to them, you want to explain to them what actually happened, the outputting of the Holy Spirit, then they look at you and they say, now now you're talking about things. That looks very, sounds very spooky. Please leave it. I'm not trusting that. But then when we are telling about the Holy Spirit, we can tell them a few things. The first is, is the Holy Spirit that there's a Trinity. I see the street over there is called Trinity Street. So if you walk with the people in that street, you can ask them, what does it actually mean? Trinity. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Explain it to them, how it works, how it links up. We also tell, if we speaking to people about uh, the Holy Spirit, about the fruit of the Spirit, what we can read in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against it, there's, uh, there's no law. Somebody took it and said it, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon. And this is what's included in love. It's when you've got joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's all included in love. The love which is needed to make a house a home. And these fruits of the Spirit, there's nothing miraculous on it. It is a type of a character building of a person. There's not a strange thing happening with if we're talking about fruit of the Spirit. If we're coming and talking about the gifts of the Spirit, they are miracles. They are miracles. Each and every one is a miracle. Each and every one is something, what is happening, what we cannot do. It's the power of God flowing through us. 
that it can happen. And those gifts of the Spirit, they're optional. We can decide if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can decide if we want to open up that the Holy Spirit can flow through us, that these miracles, that it can actually go through us. Acts 11 verses 8, and I haven't got that one on uh, on the PowerPoint. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. It's Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus had all the power, and he did a lot of miracles. More than enough, what we can see over there. But those powers, Jesus didn't take along, and he left it. He gave us the Holy Spirit, that through being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can actually carry on with the work where Jesus has been doing it. So the miracles that we can read about, what Jesus has been doing, can now flow through us. And then we say, oh, wait a moment, but I can't be Jesus. No, you don't have to be Jesus. Just be a little part of it. Just be open and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, let me do it. This is why I've asked that testimony as well. And it's awesome to hear a person open to listen to what the Holy Spirit is telling to you to do, and then you do it. it. takes you out of your comfort zone. I can guarantee you that. It happened with us as well when the Lord said we had to go to Utrecht and start an English-speaking church over there. I had to start preaching. We had to a place, move to a place where we didn't know anybody over there. And it was just the two of us. And we could have been like Jonah, first refused. But Jonah anyway had to do it afterwards. So better do it than directly in the beginning. It's out of our comfort zone. We had to do things which we were not used to. But then the blessing is, is with the Lord. And we give all the glory and honor to God for that. The gifts of the Spirit, we can read them in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 till 11. I'm not going to read, I'm not going to elaborate too much on it, because in each one, um, it's a miracle. And some of them I can say, yes, it happened. It happened maybe on one occasion. Others I can say, I've seen it with other people. Um, but those are miracles which are available. Uh, those are powers which are available through the Holy Spirit for us. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So it's not something which is going to benefit us, but it's for benefiting other people. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kind of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And there are miracles happening. I've seen them happening. Carlos was with us. It had to rain that evening. It didn't rain. We prayed beforehand. We had faith that it would not rain because we wanted to bring the gospel over there. We wanted to praise and worship over there. And we finished it. Half an hour after we were finished, the water came down in buckets. But we gave all the glory and all the honor. There was one guy walking around with his phone and showing on his phone. It was blue, which means the radar was showing it had to rain over there. It didn't rain. And those are miracles that we can rely on. Because God told us to do something. And we trusted. We had faith that it will not, would not happen.
we talking about the Holy Spirit of the Trinity? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of uh, the gifts of the Spirit, and it's also praying in tongues, which is also coming with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, Paul is writing over there, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And Jude 1 verses 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we can tell other people about it. We can even speak in a church about it. What reactions are we getting from the people? And we basically can say we get two types of rejection. The first one is that the people are ignoring it and they're resisting. They do not want to know anything about the Holy Spirit. They don't want to be involved with the Holy Spirit. And there can be different reasons for that. And we see it inside the church and outside the church. Outside the church, it is going along with that the people do not accept God as the Creator. Jesus is the Savior. And they also will not accept then the Holy Spirit as well. So they will remain that they are not accepting God and they do not have a relationship with God. But unfortunately, inside the church as well. We see it inside the church. We see that people have been hearing messages about the Holy Spirit. I've been there 50 years. I've been to many, many sermons where they were spoken about God, they were spoken about Jesus. The Holy Spirit was maybe once a year quickly touched on, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit wasn't discussed. That wasn't in the church calendar. It wasn't in the church way of references. It simply didn't exist with them. And as a result of that, being used to it, you you never actually get exposed to it. But then at the final end, fortunately, nine years back, that it happened. And you open up, you let the Holy Spirit flow through, and then you see the things happening. And I think, why have I missed it for so many years? And then the majority of you people are younger, and I'm glad because you can still in your life have the benefits of God working through you, but the Holy Spirit is concerned. Coming back again to Stephen the Martyr, he was speaking to the people inside the church. And listen to what he says over there. You stiff neck and uncircumcised. It's Jewish people. <laughs> you stiff necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You've always resisted the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. They resisted the Holy Spirit. They knew about the Holy Spirit. If we take a look at the Old Testament, how many times it's written over there? Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. David was filled with the Holy Spirit. Just mentioning too, how many times it happened, it happened, and it happened. The guys who built the tabernacle, who had to do all the gold and silver work, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They suddenly could do things they've never done before, and so on, and so on. But the people around them were busy with judging for Martha and at the fi- uh, for Stephen, and at the final end, also they stoned him. They resisted. They resisted the Holy Spirit because it didn't fit in their framework. Because they wanted to manage God the way they thought God had to be managed. They wanted to put God in a certain box, what they thought it had to be. They were not open for the Holy Spirit 
to let the Holy Spirit f- uh, flow through them. Those people who were talking to Stephen, they most probably were standing in the temple and Jesus was doing the miracles over there. They saw them, they saw the blind man, they saw all the other people who have been healed over there through the powers of Jesus. But they remained stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and they resisted the Holy Spirit. Some of them are resisting it and some of them are ignoring it. They simply say, the Holy Spirit is not for us. It stopped with the apostles. It was given to the apostles and then it stopped over there. I was once here in London and I spoke to a Dutch lady at Travalda Square. You must probably remember it, David, when we made music over there. And then I started speaking to her and then she asked what type of church are we? Then I said, but we are a spiritual church. She said, what does it actually mean? I said, we're trusting on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is guiding us and leading us. And then she said, and I said as well, and we pray for healing and things like that. And she said, no, it stopped. It stopped with the apostles. And then I asked the question, and when I asked the question, I actually thought, yeah, she's most probably not going to give an answer on it, so immediately changed the, uh, the subject over there. I asked the question, I said, if all the things what Jesus has been saying to his apostles and his disciples are not applicable to us, why are we still bringing the gospel? Because Matthew 28 says, go and tell the people. Why are you doing the one thing and why are you not doing the other thing? Why are you ignoring the one and why are you doing the other thing? Be consistent or ignore everything and Christianity will stop in one generation. Or we do what God told us to do. Go and tell, let the Holy Spirit flow, pray for the people to be healed. Things like that. What we just now heard about the different, the different gifts of the Spirit. But do we believe in the Holy Spirit? Do we really think that the Holy Spirit, that those powers can work through us? Or do we think it's a little bit spooky? I battled with it. Many years I didn't know it, and I battled with it. But once I could see things happening, if you pray for somebody and a person gets healed, it's not me healing the person. It's God working through us. And that's awesome. And then when you see those type of things, then you can say, yes, it is possible. But we've got a few problems. We've got a few things in our lives which is actually blocking the Holy Spirit, that it can work through us. And it is hindering the Holy Spirit to work through us. I'm going to mention a few of them. It's not all of them. The only thing what I would like to do is is that you're going to start thinking about it. I'm not condemning you that I say, but this is wrong and that's wrong and you and people in London must do this and that. No, it's not the case. It's just about it. If there's anything what's holding you back, that you can have the Holy Spirit and that of those gifts that they can flow through you, if that's holding you back, that we can maybe pray afterwards. Maybe you can work it out at your house or you can maybe change your lifestyle, whatever the case may be, but that the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit can flow through us. Because that's for, what, for me what church is. That's awesome to see when a person has got to be healed or would like to be healed that they can come forward, that we can pray for the person, that the person can be healed, that captives can be set free, uh, that people can come and that they can repent of sins what they've got and that that blockage between them and God can be removed away. So when I'm mentioning them, think a little bit about it. Is it maybe happening in your life? 
The first one is doubt or intellectual pride. Because if we cannot explain it, we do not want to accept it. We see it quite a lot with evangelizing, is that then you can get very clever people. Uh, they've been studying academics and so on, and you ask them and you speak to them about God, but they cannot explain it. And then it is, they would like to keep it a little bit away from them. Or sometimes you will get the guy and he will say, no, he's never sinned. Uh, because that's also the thing that you've got to explain to the people uh, about sinning. And I was speaking to him and I said, have you never stolen some sweets out of um, your mom's kitchen when you were young? No, he's never done that. I said, okay, you're academic. Have you ever downloaded something illegal, which is not allowed to do? He said, no, he's never done it. He's never done it like that. I said, did you ever have a look at a girl? And he said, hmm, that would be nice to have him between the sheets. And he said, yes, each and every day. I said, okay, then you've been sinning. That's not what God wants us to do. We see it many times, and a lot of us can see it in the, in, in the Western world. God cannot be explained. God doesn't fit in, into their world. They've got pride because they think they are better than God. They can manage God. So that's the first one. Second one is religious tradition. I've been there as well. They've done it always like that. Why do you want to change it? It's not about what other people have been doing. It's about our relationship with God. Because God is not going to ask us if you've been a member of Shepherd Church and that will give you access to heaven. No. A certificate is awesome, but it's not giving you access to heaven. Your personal relation, that you know God, that you've got a living relationship with Him, that you can speak to Him as your Father, that is what's helping you. And maybe you brought up in a place that you said, but the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they never spoke about it. My mom and dad never explained anything like that. I never seen that. I'm not open for that. Think a little bit about it. And try to put that away and say, but, but what does God really want? What does God's word say over here? What is he telling us? What is Jesus telling us over here? So the religious tradition is the, is the one with touches now. And then fear of supernatural. Because yes, something could happen which is supernatural. And then you say, wow, now I don't know how to handle it. This is a little bit above my fireplace. What must I do? And then people are afraid because it's not in their control. And then they are afraid of the supernatural and they do not want that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the powers which are supernatural, which are miracles, that they can flow through them. The fourth one is unconfessed sins. If we've got things in our lives which we haven't confessed of, and we can have a look at Jesus, we can have a look at um, John the Baptist as well. What was the first word what they said? Repent. Repent. So if there's anything what we've done wrong, we must bring it to God. We can bring it to God. But if there's certain things what we would like to hide in the cupboard somewhere away and we do not want to open it to God, that can be a blockage as well. That the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not going to flow through us. So with that we are quenching or we are actually grieving the Holy Spirit when we are not confessing our sins. The fifth one is emotion, emotional wounds. 
things could have happened to you. You could have maybe been abused. You maybe could have been weighed down by anxiety. It could have been that you've been grieved or depressed. And that is keeping you in bondage. If we take a look at Lazarus, when he was raised and when he came out of the grave, he had that, the grave cloths all around him. And he had to take it off. And then he actually could walk. And it's the same times in the spirit with us. That if we've got certain things which are holding us back, we first have got to take it off. And then we can start moving. And then we can move as what God wants us to move. And the last one is an unyielded spirit. We cannot be focused on God and the Holy Spirit if we're full of us. Um, I actually wanted to have a glass and I wanted to empty it, but I can't do it over here. But you most probably can imagine, you've got a glass of water, it's half full of water. It's like your life. It's filled up with you. Some people, it's full, some people, it's still a little bit left. We've got to throw out everything of ourselves. Because otherwise God cannot fill it up. So we've got to get rid of the I, the me, and the myself. I battled it with that as well. It was in my life, for the majority of that life, it was about me. I wanted to hear my name. I wanted to see that they would mention my name, that they would tell me what position I had. Um, it was all about me. I, me, and myself. But that's not what God wants us, that it should be about us. It should be about Him, and only about Him. When we were interceding at the beginning, there was a word in which says that we should be like new sheep of new wineskins. And this is what I think it's prophetic for us this morning. That if it has been leaking with us through the six uh, things that has been mentioned over there, we've got to become a new wineskin or we've got to ask God for a new wineskin. To close us again, that God wants to what God wants to give to us, that it doesn't immediately pour out and that it is lost, but that we can grasp it and that we can have it, and that we can be a benefit for other people. We are not here for ourselves on this earth. We are here for other people. That is the most important thing. Can I ask you to stand? Holy Spirit is saying to you, to each and every one of you, you are my home. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, each and every one of you, and I'm look, trying to look you in the eyes, each and every one of you, you're my home. This is what God is telling you today. You're my home. You're that place. You're not a house, but you're my home. Because we spoke about and we said, what has got to be there? Before a house can become a home. And that's love. And that's God. He's full of love. He wants to be in our house. That our house can be a home for him. I want to repeat it again. The Holy Spirit is saying to you. You're my home. Part of that trinity of God. Is coming. And is going inside your heart. Can you imagine that? The creator of heaven and earth, who makes everything, 
who knows more about your body is what you know. Who knows how many hairs you've got on your head. That God, part of it, wants to be and wants to make your house his home. He wants to be inside you. He wants to include everyone. It's not that, that you've got to be tall or gray or then No. Everyone. Short, dark, light. Any language you can speak. He wants to make, make you his home. He wants to be in you. I'm going to pray. And I'm also going to pray certain things. And if it is in your heart that you feel you would like to come to God. Then I'm inviting you to come forward. Because by just coming forward, you're already replying on it. And I'm going to ask me and Renee that we're going to do the ministry. So even if there's any of those others who are otherwise helping with ministry as well, that they can also be ministered. Feel free. And even if you've got to stop the music, you also want to come and join us, then you can do it. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We say thank you. Thank you that you want to make us your home. It's incredible, Father. We cannot actually grasp it and we can maybe the rest of the day ponder about it. The creator of heaven and earth wants to be inside me. And maybe you're here today and you say, but yeah, it's fine, Darkan, that you're talking about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But I've never, never in my life publicly accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've never said to God, God, I want to accept you as creator of heaven and earth. And Holy Spirit, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if it's maybe you today that you say, but I first have got to do that first step. I first have got to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And you feel that the Holy Spirit is stirring you, then I'm inviting you to come forward. That we can pray along with you. And if you hear that you say, yes. I actually have never asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've never asked God to come into my body and that my body can be His home and that He can call it my home. You've never asked for it. And you would like to do it this morning, then I'm inviting you also that you can come forward. And if there were one of those six things what I've mentioned over there, the Holy Spirit has been touching you, would you say, but that's the one I've got to address. Don't wait till tomorrow. Come forward. Bring it to God and we can pray in agreement with you. If you at a certain place, which could be your house, it could be your study and it could be your work, which you feel is not your home at the moment. Bring it to God and ask God, where does He want you to be? My home is in Utrecht. Rene's home is in Utrecht. Because the Lord wants us that we should be there at the moment. And where the Lord wants us to be, that is what we call our home. And if you maybe, and I want to repeat it again, maybe staying at a place, working at a place, or studying at a place, where you're not quite sure that God wants you to be over there, ask God 
And if you want us that we should pray an agreement with you, then please come forward that we can pray an agreement with you that you're going to be in the place where God wants you to be. Because that's the most important thing. And once you know where you are, where God wants you to be, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can flow through you and that you can make a difference in the people's life around you. Heavenly Father, we want to give you all the glory and honor. You're the creator of heaven and earth. We cannot describe it in words. We thank you, Jesus, that you died at the cross for our sins so that we didn't have to be punished for it. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you came with the powers which can flow through us and that they are available for us. God, we give you all the honor and we give you all the glory. And we pray that we really can be your house, Father, that the Holy Spirit can work through us. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm not quite sure if they're going to sing another song.